When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Bo Bridges and you're listening to TV Confidential. Robertson, welcoming you to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Veronica Red will join us in our second hour. Veronica Red, the second of two actresses who played Mamie Johnson on The Young and the Restless. If you're a fan of the Jeffersons, you know Veronica for playing Edie Stokes slash Eddie Stokes in the famous episode of The Jeffersons, in which George finds out that his old Navy buddy underwent a sex change operation. That episode also marked one of the very first portrayals of a transsexual person on network television. At the time, she played Eddie Stokes slash Edie Stokes on The Jefferson. The role was just one of many characters that Veronica played as a working actress. It would take a few years before Veronica realized just how much her performance meant to the transgender community at large. We'll talk about that and more when Veronica Red joins us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. Our second hour will also include a return appearance from our friend Alexis Hunter. Alexis Hunter, author, artist, and activist. Alexis has an exciting announcement about a new development about her book, Joy Lansing, A Body to Die For, that she will share with us when she joins us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that as well. Later on this hour, we will say hello to actress Judy Beecher. Judy is one of the stars as well as one of the executive producers of Tango Shalom. Tango Shalom, an award-winning comedy that is not only playing in theaters as we record this program, but marked the final screen appearance of actor Joseph Bologna. We'll talk about Tango Shalom and more when Judy Beecher joins us later on in this hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, Greg Arabar will join us as we open up this week's program. Greg, of course, is the co-author of Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records. He's also well-versed in the Disney universe and the world of Disney legends. We lost a Disney legend this week as we record this program last week as the program airs tommy kirk tommy kirk yeah he is an official disney legend and he is a disney legend who while he had as many young actors did a a difficult transition period to adulthood and an eventual reconciliation with his early career he became quite a good uh, friend to his fans he made many appearances in uh, recent years much to the delight of people who not only grew up loving him, because there's this myth that only people who lived in the day love the films 
of the 50s and 60s. That's completely untrue because these films have been available. We're very fortunate nowadays that these films are still available. Many of them are now on Disney+. Plus. They've been available on DVD and Blu-ray for many, many years. They were on the Disney Channel endlessly. And before that, they were on the uh, Sunday night show. So Tommy Kirk's career has been available to us for decades, as well as his later career, because he was in the American International films, the teen movies, and things like that. Um, yes, he, and, and he, many, he was the cut-rate Frankie Avalon. Well, yeah, because... Well, I, I, in, should, I shouldn't say cut-rate. He was Frankie Avalon when Frankie Avalon was not available. Well, so was Dwayne Hickman. So were a lot. So was Aaron Kincaid. A lot of there were a lot of young actors who were, uh, and not only that, but there were sub uh, beach movies made by other studios. TCM shows a lot of them, and they're fascinating because you really appreciate the ones that AIP made uh, when you see how many knockoffs there were and realize just how much skill went into the ones that uh, William Asher and Don Weiss were directing because they had a, a winning formula that was very difficult to imitate. Even though those movies were silly and they were low budget, they worked. And Tommy Kirk was in Pajama Party. I know we're going to talk Disney, and those are Disney. Walt Disney approved the scripts, the ones that Annette was in. Were, was in. Uh, and Pajama Party is a good place to start because that's sort of in the middle of his career. He played a Martian in that, who was sent to Earth to, you know, observe the humans and all these the Earthlings. But Pajama Party, uh, is a, it's a strange movie, as they all were. Darlene L'Amour is in it. You always had the, the old-time stars mixing with the young stars. It has Terry Garr in it, dancing around a pool that needs cleaning. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it has Elsa Lanchester and uh, but it's a fun movie, and it's the most like High School Musical because they dance around a swimming pool. Also, uh, I've drawn uh, direct comparisons to it in presentations around the country. That's what they're still doing, but I'll get to that in a moment. Um, Pajama Party also is interesting because from the research I've been doing about Hanna Barbera for this book I'm working on, uh, Joe Barbera wrote a a, a screenplay. Uh, and I think it was actually a stage play called The Maid and the Martian with basically the same plot. And it's it, I, I think that was the basis that became this movie because Hanna-Barbera did a lot of work in partnership with American International, including the Sinbad Jr. cartoons, which they co-produced with American International. And they also made a movie with Christopher George, I think it was Project X, which you can get. They did some animated sequences in that. So there's no, I don't think there's any question that there's a connection between Pajama Party and Joe Barbera, even. So anyway, Tommy Kirk was in some movies that are like, oh, golly, he has so much talent and what a shame. But Hollywood isn't exactly uh, forgiving to some of these performers. And it was happening to all of them who came out of that era. They didn't know what to do with them. And the industry was changing. I suspect that even Annette was seeing that because by the time she got to Thunder Alley, that was a much more mature movie for the kind of thing that she was doing. Her kids were getting to the point where they were school age, and I think she just decided she would just work occasionally, and the movies weren't really the kind of movie she was doing anymore. Hollywood movies were changing, and the independent film was coming in, and they really weren't that kind of film anymore. There really wasn't a place for a lot of these actors, and 
in some cases, Disney didn't know quite what to do with them to keep them busy with their studio. Though Walt Disney did give them a lot of opportunities and exposure for whatever they could to get into the business. Some of them went behind the camera, like Kevin Corcoran did. So there was only so much they could do to keep them employed, really. And in Tommy Kirk's case, he, he was a really good dramatic actor. And he showed so much potential as a young actor. Uh, and you can see that very much in his early work, not just for Disney, but the R Loretta Young show. He's in a couple of those, and those are on DVD. There's a lot of, uh, of uh, shows he did, but his first Disney uh, work was for the Mickey Mouse Club. And the Mickey Mouse Club was designed to work uh, in several ways for different audiences. The cartoons and the musical numbers were aimed at a wide audience. They were, that was like the variety show segments of it and the guest star day and things like that. But the serials were really aimed at the older kids and the teenagers because it's not really remembered that the Mickey Mouse Club was a, was a teen show as much as it was a children and family show. And a teen show generally has about a three-year shelf life, and that's what it had uh, in its day. And then it becomes more of a children's show in its last years. And that program did what the MGM studio did for young performers like Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney and Jane Powell, who we just lost. They, they nurtured these young performers in some of the smaller films until they showed potential to put them in bigger films. And that's what they did with the serials. So that introduced the talents of people that's where one of the earliest things that Shelley Fabre was in. She was in the Annette serial. And Tommy Kirk was in the Hardy Boys. And he and they ended up making more of those. He was opposite Tim Considine. Those were very, very popular. As as well as the Spin and Marty uh, serial, which he was not in. But those continued and they were very, very that, that made them so interesting because you wanted to see what happened with the cliffhanger every day. They were very smart when they put those serials together because they, they kind of gave you the story in the first introduction. And then they stopped and then they began the story again. So you got caught up in it and you wanted to see how it went through. And these actors became the Disney stable of young stars. And they started putting them in films. And in 1957... He basically was the star of Old Yeller. And because the star was Fess Parker, but Fess yeah. Parker leaves at the beginning of the film and then he comes back. So really he's carrying the movie. And, uh, you know, Dorothy McGuire is wonderful and she's the mom. And then you've got Kevin Corcoran as the little brother, but he's the star and he's riveting. And anybody who's seen Old Yeller knows that's a movie you don't forget. That's the movie that's powerful, and it's like, oh, golly, I'll never forget this movie, and golly, I don't want to give it away. But that's well, a, that's well a, I, one, of the, one of the memes that have popped up on social media is the clip from Stripes with Bill Murray and Judge yeah. Reinhold, which, in the spirit of not giving it away, Bill Murray at, in Stripes makes a direct reference to Old Yeller as he's training his recruits in that movie. So it's very, very funny. Greg Erber is with us, uh, sharing a few thoughts on the passing of Tommy Kirk. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. 
be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.